Hallelujah. Indeed, our God is a God of wonders. I want to welcome you to today's service. Uh, for those of you that are joining us from home, both within and outside of Canada, we are believing God that very soon we'll be able to gather together again in person. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that we will stop our online broadcasting. And so if you are joining from elsewhere, the rest are sure that we make a promise that even when we are back together in person, we will still be online. So this morning we want to go straight into the Word of God. And we want to talk about a topic that says starting to understand God. Starting to understand God. I want you to note that the emphasis is on starting. Yeah, because it is, it is impossible to completely understand God. But God will do things and give you a glimpse into how He works. And so this morning we will talk about how do I and you and all of us start to understand God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning because of your faithfulness. Thank you for revealing yourself to us bit by bit. Thank you for showing us grace. Thank you for showing us mercy. Thank you, Father, for making your face to shine upon us. Thank you for withholding your anger from us. Thank you, Lord, because we do not ever want to see a terrible side. Father, we give you all the glory. We thank you, everlasting Father, because indeed we have come again today. Father, please speak to us. Make your words simple. Let every ear that ears understand. Let every heart be able to grasp. And let the words be useful in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Praise the Lord. And so this morning, like I said, we want to talk about starting to understand God. And we are going to take our text from the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to open to chapter 9. And if your chapter 8 is in another page, I want you to make sure that you can read both 9 and 8 at the same time. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I will read some verses and I will flip over to some verses in chapter 8 for us to combine them together and know what the preacher is saying. So I want you to follow with me as I read chapter 9, verse 11. It says, I have observed something else under the sun, that the fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy, and those who are educated don't always have the best of lives. 
it is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Now, flip to chapter 8, verse 12. It says, but even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that those who fear God will be better off. Verse 16, it says, in my search for wisdom and in my observation of people's bodies here on earth, I discovered that there is ceaseless activity day and night. And I realized that no one can discover everything that God is doing under the sun. Not even the wisest people discover everything, no matter what they claim. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. This morning we want to look at five principles that we get from reading this passage. And at the same time, we will look at three things that we can then learn from those principles. Because of time, I will quickly go over them. If you are writing, you can write fast or you can listen to the message after. The first principle that you will read from this passage is that number one, everybody will have a beginning and an end. Everybody will be born and everybody will die. Everybody will start somewhere and everybody will end somewhere. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2. It says that there is time to be born, there is time to die. There is a time to start, there is a time to finish. Number two, I want you to also know that we are not independent of God. It doesn't matter what we think, we will never be independent of God. You will notice that a lot of the things that you do are beyond your, are, you're beyond your control. Even the clothes you wear are beyond your control. When it is winter, it is difficult for you to be going around in clothes that are not warm. Yes, I agree that you chose the clothes, but the choice is influenced by forces beyond your control. The fruit you eat is beyond your control. There are fruits that grow in winter. There are fruits that grow in summer. And so you will find that even the food that you eat is beyond your control. If you are a farmer, you will know that your harvest is beyond your control. You can do everything, and yet locusts will come and destroy your land. And so our lives will never, ever be independent of God. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Under that, I want you to also note that you may be strong and well-equipped, yet you may fail. You may think you have done all and yet fail. 
Brethren, I want you to understand one thing. When Goliath came out to war, he was strong. He was well prepared. He was well equipped. Within seconds, he was on the ground. So you may be strong and well equipped and yet fail. First Samuel chapter 17 tells us the story. Oh, people will say, well, that's because Goliath was not a Christian. Oh, fast forward, when Peter went fishing, <laughs> the Bible says he fished all night. There was another occasion after he had known Christ, he fished again and he caught nothing. Yes, Peter was an expert fisherman. So it is possible to be strong and well equipped and fail. It is because not everything is under your control. Number three, there will always be things you will never understand about God. How does God govern the world? In fact, specifically, let me tell you the truth. All we know is today. We don't know what will happen next hour. We don't know what will happen next year. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. So I want you to also understand that we don't know the future. In fact, let me tell you the truth. If you knew the future, you will never have accidents. Because you will have seen the accident coming and then you will avoid it. But the God of love, mercy, that knows the future, can tell you in the morning not to go that way. So you remember the two, the two, two things you have said so far? That everybody will be born and everybody will die. That everybody is independent of God. And then number three, we say there will always be things we will never understand about God. Number four, and this is now coming home to us. Because in that passage we read, he said the fastest does not always win. He said the strongest does not always win. He said the wise can sometimes be hungry. He said the skillful are not always wealthy. And those educated will not always have the best of lives. Let me reverse it. It means that some uneducated people will have better lives than educated people. It means that people without skills sometimes can be wealthy. It means even the foolish can be filled. It means the weakling can win battles. And it means that the slow person can win a race. And so, what does that tell me? We come to number four. Never judge a man's state. Or never use a man's condition as a judge of God's opinion of that man. Never do it. Because when you do it, most of the time you could be wrong. 
In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us the story of a man called Job. Job did not do anything wrong, and yet calamity came. And his friends like me and you, they came and explained it because they did not understand God. Brethren, it is not only sinners that calamity comes to. Even God opened his mouth and said, Have you tried my servant Job? He said, He is upright. And yet calamity came to him. Brother, my prayer is that today we will begin to understand a little thing about God. In Luke chapter 13, in Luke chapter 13, the Bible tells us some things that Jesus was discussing. And he was told that Pilate had killed some people in the temple. Interestingly enough, those people went to offer their sacrifices, yet Pilate killed them. Do you think they went to offer their sacrifice to God because they didn't fear God? Or do you think they went to offer their sacrifice to God because they were more of a sinner than other people? But Jesus asked the question. He said, do you think that these Galileans that died, that Pilate killed, do you think that they were worse sinners than everybody else? Thank God for Christ. The one that knows all things, he answered the question himself. He said, not at all. And if that one answer was not enough, because he himself said in the midst of two witnesses, a matter shall be established. Then he asked them the second question. He said, what about those 18 people that died when the, uh, when the tower of Sulam fell? He said, why did the worst sinners in Jerusalem? By himself, he answered the question again. He said, no. Oh, brethren, God has kept you alive. It's not because you are righteous. Oh, your relatives died, but you are alive. It's not because you are better than them. Oh, you are living in Canada today. It's not because you are better than those that are living in other countries. It is just because of the mercy of God. Number five. Because you started ahead, does not always mean that you will arrive ahead. It says the race is not to the what? To the swift. Because you joined the company, does not mean that you will be promoted because somebody that joined later than you. In fact, let me bring you down to church. Because you preach to me, does not mean that God cannot promote me over you. Because I'm your pastor today, does not mean that God cannot elevate you over me tomorrow. So starting ahead is no guarantee that you will finish ahead. First Kings chapter 18. 
The Bible tells us of the story of a man that said, I heard the sound of abundance of rain. His name was Elijah. And he said, you know what, so that this rain does not stop you, king, start running. The king got his chariot. He got the best that he had in the land. And the king took off. And yet this man of God stood. And he told his servant, he said, go and see if the cloud is gathering. You know, in those days we used to run. If you think you're better than somebody, and you want to run 100 meters, you will tell him to start at the 20 meter mark. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then you will say, oh, your mark. And then when you say, go, he will, will cover 80 meters, you will cover 100 meters. Is it not? In their case, it is actually unheard of that a man on foot will give a man on chariot to go ahead. And yet, he caught up. And the Bible says, and he went to Jesus before him. Brethren, God's way, you can't understand it. If God's hand is upon you, you can make accelerated progress in life. So I want you to understand that that these five principles are some of the principles I was able to gather from this passage. That because you started ahead does not mean you will finish ahead. If you go back to Scripture, Peter was not the first disciple that Jesus called. Yes, he was the one that Christ said upon this rock, I will build my church. Apostle Paul was not even called directly of Christ himself when he was alive. And yet, he was able to say, I am the chief of apostles. So brethren, because you started first, does not mean you will finish first. The more reason why you need to be compassionate to people around you. Yesterday I was talking to some people. And you realize that people that were five years your junior in school, some of them are reviewing your application for job now. Ah, because the race is not what? To the suit. And let me say it in another way. Some people that finished 10 years before you, you are making decisions over their life now. Because the race is not to the street. Now, why does then God, why does God then do it like that? I'll give you three major reasons. Why does God make sure that there is no guarantee of victory for the strong. Why does then God make sure 
that there is no guarantee that the one that started first will finish first. Why is there no guarantee that the most educated will always be the richest in the world? I will tell you why. Number one, because of pride. Because if, if it was all to, all left to your strength and your ability, then you'll be proud. If you could guarantee that as far as I'm the strongest in the room, I can bully everybody, then you'll be proud. So the first reason that God allows those things is to humble you. So make sure that you remember every day that you are just a man. So make you remember every day that self-exaltation will never take you anywhere. Oh, your marriage can be better than my own today. It doesn't mean that tomorrow that things cannot turn around for me. And so I'm going to give you about four examples under that part. Five. Five examples. Genesis chapter 11, for example. Suddenly people began to gather together. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. Let's build ourselves a tower that will reach unto the heavens. If they said only that, maybe God would have overlooked it. They said, Let us make ourselves a name. And God said, You want to make yourself a name? He said, No, while I'm still God. And the Bible says God made sure that they didn't understand themselves again. Brethren, whenever you see people that are too proud, after some time you begin to see that there are disagreements here and there. The second example under that is when David. He says, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, in Psalm 34. And then he made a statement. He says, My soul takes his boast in the Lord. If you fast forward to the New Testament, Apostle Paul rightly said, He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Brother, you are what you are. By the grace of God. Let's ask ourselves the question. You are complaining about your job. But yes, some of your mates did not finish school. You are complaining about your job. Yes, you are in level 12. Let us imagine. Yes, some of your mates are still in level 7. Some of them were better than you when you were in school. Some of them were the ones that taught you tutorial when exam was coming. But so that they will not be proud. The Bible says that God resists the proud. And then what does he do? He gives grace to the symbol. Number three example there. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. 
Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. Oh, the Bible is describing somebody that we all know. Therefore, you said to yourself, I will ascend unto heaven, and I will set my throne above God's stars. How dare you set your throne above the stars of God? And then he said, I will preside on the mountain of the God, far away in the north. And I will be like the most high. And then God said, Lucifer, because of that, they are cut down today. So, brethren, pride, pride has never taken anybody anywhere. Jeremiah chapter, 20, chapter 9. This is the fourth example so that you understand what we are talking about. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. It says, Let not the one who is wise and skillful boast in his, in his insight. And then it goes on to say, Let not the one who is mighty and powerful boast in his strength. Let not the one who is rich boast in his temporary satisfaction. And let the one who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me. Brethren, whenever God gives you something, be grateful for it, but that thing can fly away anytime. How many rich men have we seen that the world has not heard about again? Number five example. The Bible says in Acts chapter 12 that there was a king called Herod Agrippa. And this king, the Bible says he began to persecute the church. He had power. And the Bible says he took games and killed him. And when he saw that people were happy, uh, the Bible says he took Peter also. Thank God for prayers. I said thank God for prayers. The Bible says that God went to church to pray for Peter. God now sent an angel to rescue Peter. Now, you will have thought that if the king was white, the king should have known that Peter had some inside information that he needed. He should have known that Peter had some security that he needed. He should have known that there are some people that came to rescue Peter that were stronger than his own soldiers. But the Bible just omitted the man did not care. And so one day, one day, he sat down. The Bible says he was annoyed with some of his subjects. And so they came to him to appease him. And then they began to say, Oh, that is the God. And the Bible says that God struck him. The, the one that is controlling soldiers. When the soldiers of heaven struck him, he had no response for them. 
And God then concluded. Is that because he did not give glory to God? Brethren, are you doing well? Give glory to God. Are your things going well? Give glory to God. Oh, you are still alive. Give glory to God. The Bible says that when there is life, there is what? There is hope. As far as you have not died yet, then there is still hope that you can make it to life. Number two. The second reason why God makes sure uh, by the way, the first reason was for everybody. The first reason was for both believers and unbelievers. <laughs> the second reason is mostly for believers. And that is to tell the worldliness of your spirit. Remember, Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, Oh, foolish Galatians. He said that you started how? In the spirit, are you now going to finish in the flesh? Sometimes I wonder what God is going to write to the church today. Before you talk about pastors and leaders that say something when God did not say, one of the tests of a prophet is that whatever they say comes to pass. And so you tell me you're a prophet, but then your, 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 your predictions are hit and miss. So, under to check that your spirit does not become worldly, Apostle Paul gave us a good, a good, very, very good advice in Second Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 18. It says, so then we fix our eyes on the things that are not seen. Let me say that again. We fix our eyes on the things that are not seen. When he's talking about eyes, he's talking about the inner eyes. He's talking about the, the inner eyes of a man. It says, for the things that we see with our physical eyes are temporary. And because those things are temporary, eventually they will fade away. Oh, there's a good advice in Proverbs chapter 23. It says in verse 4. He says, don't wear yourself out trying to be rich. In verse 5, he says, in the blink, in the twinkle of an eye, in the blink of an eye, riches can disappear. Oh, brethren, I, have, I know what I'm passing me. Around 2008, when the stock market went down, the people that thought that they were rich, what happened to the riches? That is why the Bible says, do not let, do not keep your affections on the things of the world. But thank God, the Bible says that we have a store in heaven where the stock market can never crash. 
In fact, let me tell you the truth. In the stock market of heaven, your stocks are appreciating by the day. Your stocks can never depreciate. And that is why the Bible says, do not really yourself trying to get rich. It brings me to a point. If we had a choice between four things, we have a choice between going to work. We have a choice between going to visit. We have a choice between going to church. And we have a choice about about any other thing that has to do with fun. It is always perplexing that when Christians run out of time, the first one that they remove are the things of God. Whenever somebody tells me, they say, Pastor, you know, I don't have time. Uh, but you have time to do three jobs. But then those things, they will fly away. That is why the Bible then tells you, it says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Things can steal it. Things can destroy it. It says, but store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Number, the number four uh, example under that number two. This is a good example that Jesus, this is a good advice that Jesus gave. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to come to a point very soon. For you to understand that. If you want to start understanding God, then you have to start thinking the way God thinks. Number three point. Remember, I said number one to check uh, pride. Number two to check worldliness. And then number three. The reason that those passages and those principles are there. Is that to let you know that it is only God that determines ultimately who is wise and who is foolish. Ultimately, it is God that determines who is wise and who is foolish. I'll give you one or two examples and then we'll see. In Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 5. In verse 22, Jesus said that anyone that says to his brother, you fool, you remember that passage? Is that is in danger of what? Hellfire, right? The reason he's in danger of hellfire is because he's going beginning to ascribe to himself only a duty that God should do. You can never share God's glory and think that God will take you lightly. Only God can determine and pronounce that one of his creatures is foolish. How can a fellow creature tell another creature that the one that created you created you foolish? 
Is it not funny? That we ascribe to ourselves. Is a look at that man. Oh, is a fool. God will note it down. That you want to be like me now. I pray that God will not turn against you. Because only God will determine who is wise and who is foolish. I will give you some examples to support us. Remember the story. Jesus told us, he said indeed that there was a man. We call that story the parable of the rich fool, right? We all know the story, don't we? Now, in that parable, everybody looking from outside sees that man as what? Rich. Everybody looking at man, that man looks, looks at that man as what? Successful. Right? But then the Bible says that when God came to him, what was the first thing that God said? You fool! The one that looks good to you is foolish to God. The Bible says <laughs> that God does not see the way man sees. You look at a man because he has a good job, he has a good car. You think that that is the measure of the blessing of God? Be careful, especially those of you that like to convert. Be careful. You keep going around. The Bible says conversion has been the best gift. That's not what the Bible is saying. You see a man that has a good car. But you don't know that that man can never go home because home is not conducive. And so every day you pray, and God, I wish I could be like that man. And God says, uh, you don't know what you're asking. And then you come to pastor. Pastor, I've been praying about something for a long time. God is not asking. He said, pastor, can you just agree with me? And then I say, what exactly are you agreeing for? Don't worry, just agree with me. And then suddenly your house scatters. Because you converted that man with his car and everything that has to do with you. Are we still together? And it's a hard message. Because when you want to start understanding God, then you know that what men think is good can be bad to God. You cannot read that passage and not wonder. Because the Bible says, you fool. It is possible to be wise and poor. And it is possible to be rich and foolish. You only need to put on your TV. You will see many examples of the rich and foolish. Because when you measure them by the standards of God, 
then you know that their riches mean nothing. Brethren, I want you to understand as I round up this morning that when you want to start understanding God and you want to start understanding the way God sees a man, ask God how many stocks does he have in heaven? Ask God and say, God, show me what you think about myself. When you can do that, then you are beginning to understand God. Because most of the things that we pay attention to, those things don't matter to God. Most of the things. And I would like to close. It is interesting that uh, somebody actually already read this passage when they were finishing Sunday school. Because God said that the message of the cross is foolishness to people that believe that they are wise. Unfortunately, those that believe they are wise spiritually they are dead. That is in First Corinthians chapter one. But God now specifically says, He says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will make the wise look foolish. And I will destroy the cleverness of the clever. I will not destroy it. Somebody mentioned something. I always try to explain to Christians that there is no there is no contradiction between science and spirituality. There is no contradiction. Let me tell you the difference between science and God. The difference is that when God does something today, science will eventually discover about 2,000 years later. And so science is thousands of years behind God. And then when God has moved away, science is trying to explain what God did 2,000 years ago. For example, God created the heavens and the earth. Nobody could explain it. How there can be a separation between land and air. Nobody could explain it. How come the continents drifted apart, yet they look as if they joined in certain places? And so they said there must have been a big bang. I like that kind of big bang. Because for my God to do a big bang, you just need to speak. And the Bible tells us in the, in the book of Genesis that in the times of Peleg, the earth was divided. Brethren, you want to begin to understand God. They know that the foolish things of the world mean a lot to God. It pleased, it pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, 
that men should be saved into the kingdom. Does it make sense? No. But remember, I have taught you before that whenever God is speaking and it makes sense, it's not God. You think it makes sense for God to tell Joseph, take that your pregnant wife to be your to be your wife? You think you think it makes sense? That God will go to Elizabeth and say, Elizabeth, as old as you are, you are going to have a child? But then you want to begin to understand God, you better begin to under, better begin to go along with the things that God says that make no sense. I have told you multiple times. Occasionally God will wake you up in the middle of the night. He will say, pray. He say, what do you pray for? Only to find out that your prayer was to save somebody that was committing suicide on, on another continent. And so if you are watching from home, or if you are here, and you are not yet aligned with this God, brethren, you don't know what you are missing. Your strength will not take you anywhere. Your wisdom will not take you anywhere. Your riches will not take you anywhere. Education will not take you anywhere. The Bible says, time and chance happens to all men. God is giving you a chance today. And those of you that are in church that are not yet aligned with this God, God is giving you a chance today. He's saying, by the foolishness of what my son has been saying, I am ready to save you. I am ready to allow you to align with me. That is the only time you can begin to understand God. But if you cannot understand the very first step, that one man can die for the sins of everybody, you cannot understand anything else. Brethren, it took me time to understand that. But the minute I accepted it without understanding it, a lot of things are made clear to me. It doesn't matter if I understand it or not. All I know is that by the laying on of hands, that people get healed. Does it make sense? It makes no sense. But it is the way that God chooses to walk. I want you to stand on your feet, though, for those of you that are here. For those of you at home, I want you to bow down as we pray. You want to pray just a very simple prayer. You want to say, God, I want to begin to understand you. I accept that my, my life can be changed by receiving your word. I accept that my life can be changed by the receiving of your son. I confess that Jesus is Lord. I receive him into my life today. I pledge my allegiance to the things that made no sense to me before. And I pray that from today I will begin to grow in the things of God. In the name of Jesus. Those of you that are here just for one minute. I want you to lift up your voice to God and say, God, help me to understand you. Lord, help me to understand you. 
Lord, help me to understand you. Lord, help me to understand you. That's just a simple prayer that I pray for today. That God will help to open your mind to understand this word. That God will help to open your mind to understand his ways. That the things that you did not understand before, that stood in your way, that from today, they will cease to stand in your way in the name of Jesus. Brethren, that God of wonder is visiting you this year. But if you do not even understand the way that you visit, then there is a problem with that. Lift up your voice as we round up this morning. And the Lord, open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear. Open my intellect to perceive. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We bless the Lord for those that are at home. Thank you, Father, for those that have dedicated their life. Thank you, God, for those that have aligned their things with you. Father, we give you all the glory. Thank you, Father, for your children that are here. Thank you, Father, for those that now understand that they are here to start with you. Father, open their eyes. Lord, open their ears. Lord, speak into their spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that has been working against your, under, your understanding of God. Lord, we forgive today in the name of Jesus. Is there pride in your life? We declare that that pride will be gone in the name of Jesus. That grace of God will be more than sufficient for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. Father, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying.